Hello and welcome to the Edgar Podcast. My name is Rob Chilton, I'm editor of Edgar Magazine. And my name's Nathan Irvine and I'm the senior digital editor of Edgar. And today we talk to Gordon Ramsay about fitness, not food. We take a look at a new pop-up art exhibition at Dubai Mall and we try out the hottest new restaurant in Dubai. So Rob, you had a, a nice chat with Gordon Ramsay recently. I did. You know what? He's in good shape, that guy. He's, uh, he's famous for doing his, his marathons and triathlons. And he's got four kids. He's got a baby coming along uh, pretty soon. But he's in good nick. You know, he does long, these long hours standing up in the kitchen. But when he came to Dubai to unveil uh, his new restaurant, Hell's Kitchen, officially at the Caesars Palace, uh, we were all struck, you know, that like, he's, he's, pretty, uh, he's pretty beefy these days. He's doing a lot of gym stuff, clearly. Yeah. Edgar went along to meet Gordon, had a quick chat with him, have some lunch, and we asked him about his fitness regime. I've got back to fully fitness now. I have a new trainer who's a, a Swedish Viking who's just extraordinary. So the problem is that we have to train now at four in the morning. So we do four till five. Right. And then uh, that's Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yep. Uh, and then a long bike ride uh, on a Sunday. So that, that sounds like a, a pretty crazy schedule that he's got as well as being a celebrity chef he's he's out there um, hitting the bricks very early in the morning i mean 4 a.m i know chefs are used to long hours um and i know gordon ramsay is not exactly you know he's, he's elevated himself he doesn't need to be there opening up the kitchen at uh, in the early hours to chop up vegetables but he's still working hard so for him to get up at 4 a.m that's a pretty uh, a pretty respectable achievement i think um I asked him actually if uh, if this exercise was important to him so to, to decompress from that pressurised kitchen atmosphere and of course running his big business empire that stretches all around the world and he said yeah absolutely he uses the, the fitness uh, sessions with his trainer as a form of relaxation and it said it allows him to get out of that work zone and, and switch off his chef brain. That's interesting because it, it echoes what Jason Atherton said to us last week. Precisely yeah I mean Everyone knows that working in a kitchen is a very highly pressurised environment. It's hot, it's stressful, uh, you might get shouted at, you know, chefs aren't the calmest of folk. Uh, and the hours are punishing, you know, you might turn up for work at lunchtime, you work all the way through the night, then you've got the clear up. You don't just go home when the restaurant closes, you've got to prepare for the next day, you've got to clean up. And it's a very punishing job physically. So I think a lot of chefs need that physical exercise to shake off their day. Culture now. There's a nice new pop-up art exhibition in the Dubai Mall. It's there um, until the end of April, and it's come from Beijing's top contemporary art museum, which is called the M Woods Museum. And they've brought over uh, several of their pieces to the Dubai Mall to set up these temporary pavilions. It's really great. I think the highlight is probably Andy Warhol's a famous piece called Silver Clouds, which I had a look at. Well, I think now is Instagram and like technology. I think art has been like never been this hot before. You know, Andy Warhol right. was important, but it's still very like within. He's famous in that world. Okay. But now with technology, I mean, artists nowadays like celebrities. You know, yeah. they work with brands and they work with designers and work with you know, um, you know, their show has like cues everywhere. Right. So I think the technology is definitely helping to right. bring art to a more and more importance okay. and people. They're proud to be, you know, seeing art. So they think this yeah. is the lifestyle they want. 
So that was Michael Zhufu Huang. He's the curator of the Museum of Beijing. He was in Dubai, so I had a chat with him, and he said that Andy Warhol is almost like an Instagram artist because you know he, he died many decades ago, but because of Instagram and because his work is so iconic, his work is still being seen by people today. Mm. And this piece, Silver Clouds, it's a really interesting sort of moving sculpture, I guess you call it. It's 25 floating foil pillows. Uh, some are on the ceiling, some are on the floor, and people are invited to go in and touch them, move them, kick them around gently, of course, right, yeah. um, and just experience that art. So it's a, it's a pretty interesting uh, series of exhibitions in the Dubai Mall, in the Fashion Avenue. Go and check it out and see Warhol's classic, Silver Clouds, from 1966. Let's move on to football. So Nathan, you were working on a story with Freddie Adu this week. Is it a name in football that has bounced around, he's never really you know hit those heights he had a lot of promise and ambition but never really made it so why did you investigate Freddie Adu this week? I find his entire career to be incredibly fascinating um, for those that don't know who he is he burst onto the scene at I think 13 to 14 years old um, in the MLS he's a Ghanaian born United States citizen and he when he when he burst onto the scene Nike grabbed him they you know they put all of their money into into this young kid he was compared to Pele by Pele himself you know he's, he's not one to uh, shy away from uh, showering people with praise with his own name um, so you know he was supposed to be the next Pele I find his sort of like his rise was so quick and his fall was so dramatic I just can't keep my eyes off off his career every now and again I'll always check in just to see where he's playing. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's it's interesting because he's gone from playing in the MLS and then he was seeking a move to Europe and there was a lot of teams that were very interested in him. Um, he had a, he actually had a trial at Manchester United really? when he was uh, 15, I think it was. Nothing ever came of it because he couldn't get his work permit. But there's rumours that came out of Old Trafford afterwards that he wasn't quite up to the task. Which is stunning considering just, you know, the amount of hype that was around him at the time. And, and then he's just, he went to Benfica and he played like 11 games for them in four mm. years. And then he's just travelled around and he's bounced around different clubs. He's become a journeyman and he's, he's only 29. I was going to ask you, how old is he now? Because yeah. I feel like it's a name that has been around for a long time. Yeah. So 29 still. 29, he should be at the peak of his powers right now. Yeah. Um, what, what club is he playing for now? So he is a uh, free agent, oh. having been released by a team called Las Vegas Knights. <laughs> which, uh, which on Las Vegas Lights, which, uh, which obviously we're assured is a football team and not a... Uh, nightclub in, <laughs> out in Nevada but yeah it's um it's really strange that he has gone to so many big clubs and so many sort of like middling clubs and they've all had some sort of problem with him and let him go I mean, it's never been the other way around he's never actually left a club of his own accord apart from in the early days when he left DC United where he started his career yeah um, after complaining that the manager wasn't playing him enough at 14 years old <laughs> um, and then he and then he left uh, Real Salt Lake yep. to go to Europe so those are the only teams that he's really left of his own accord right everything else has been circumstantial and he's been bouncing around even playing in the third division of, uh, of the Finnish league which that's is that's pretty low down it's, yeah. it's very low down probably yeah. very cold as well yeah yeah very cold there so yeah it's um, check it out it's on edgardaily.com so Rob there are Many a restaurant in Dubai, mm -hmm. and there are many flavors of the month that come and go. Uh, you've been to the most recent one, which was 
Tasker. Tasker. I feel like this is the new hot talked about restaurant in Dubai. It is Portuguese. And I was thinking, I, I can't recall many Portuguese restaurants in Dubai. I think there was one called um, pa Papillot, maybe, or pa right. Pepite or something. Peyote. No, that's Mexican. Yeah, it's Mexican, <laughs> yeah. yeah. This was a few years ago now, and I think it was up in, I don't know, maybe Dirabo, Dubai. So Portuguese cuisine is not really um, very prevalent here in Dubai. So right. I, it's first of all, it's interesting that the Portuguese restaurant has come to Dubai. Mm. It's at the new, very swanky Mandarin Oriental okay, in Jumeirah, yeah. which is yeah. just opposite the Mercato Mall. Mm -hmm. And it is big news. It's from the chef uh, Jose Aviles, and he's a Michelin-starred chef. He's got two restaurants in Lisbon. Um, he's obviously, uh, you know, knows what he's doing with his Michelin stars. Yes. So he's come along to open this restaurant, Tasca, and it was pretty great. We went along for the tasting menu, and it was about nine or ten courses. Lots of ceviche. Okay. Uh, this amazing lobster and prawn rice. That was probably my highlight of the whole evening. I really enjoyed that. There was a really nice mandarin dessert uh, afterwards, sort of an ice cream encased in a mandarin um, sort of uh, candy casing. Okay. It was packed out, really good atmosphere, um, and I enjoyed it. And I've, I've got a feeling it's going to be a, a hot new place. Fantastic. Was there a lounge area or...? Yeah, you walk in and there's nice, uh, those Portuguese tiles, that you, those sort of okay. floral ceramic tiles yeah. on the floors. That's pretty nice. And it's all quite low lit. It's all uh, pretty seductive, lots of wood. Uh, had a nice buzz in there. And the, there's a big open kitchen in the middle of the restaurant. So that's the main feature. Uh, so you see the chefs beavering away at all their work. Jose was actually there, and he said that uh, he came to Dubai in 2015, and the hotel was just a, a building site. So right. he, he was amazed that it's now this, this beautiful hotel. And he, he was very, uh, very gracious, very humble guy. He said, he said to us, "If you have any compliments about the food tonight, please, I will pass them on to my team. But if you have any negative feedback, that's for me. I will take the negative feedback." So he's, he's protecting his team, many of whom have come from his Lisbon restaurants. Okay. So you're assured of some uh, authentic Portuguese cuisine with a little contemporary twist okay Rob you've been out and about again this week uh, talking to celebrities and famous people and this time <laughs> you you spoke to Giuseppe uh, Santo Santonini Santoni uh, Santa he San plays AC Milan that's on the right. left wing. Yeah. I, I <laughs> met Giuseppe Santoni uh, <laughs> who was who was the CEO the founder of Santoni shoes so his father started the brand uh, back in the 60s I think it was and Giuseppe's now taken it over so it's a really nice family business in a nutshell, Santoni is a, is a high-end, truly luxurious, supreme quality Italian shoemaker. Mm -hmm. And they have got a beautiful store in Dubai Mall in the Fashion Avenue. And Giuseppe was in town to, uh, to you know, meet some customers and to sort of officially unveil the store, which is really great. I recommend it. And Santoni's interesting brand because they do the, the classic shoes, but just with a little twist. They're not straight-laced. They're not boring. Um, they have a, you know, they do lots of nice colours. They do lots of you know sort of tassels and frills. Just you know they did they dress up these up these classic shoes and make them more contemporary. Yeah. But they also moved into sneakers a couple of years ago. Yes. And Giuseppe said that his father was very sceptical about whether Santoni <laughs> should make sneakers. You know, it's not in the, the the DNA of the brand. But Giuseppe said, no, no, we must, we must, we must modernise. We must do sneakers. Men are wearing sneakers with suits now. We must make a luxury sneaker. And that's what they did. And Giuseppe Santoni told me that sneakers area of their market is getting bigger and bigger because men want to dress more casually these days they want to be comfortable and sneakers with suits is now a completely you know done thing for menswear we have uh, i mean sneakers and casual is getting bigger and bigger really because, because, people, of, because of people want to be more casual more yeah. 
comfortable and uh, for sure these shoes are very very good yeah and very light right and you can wear most of them you can also wear with a suit so that's yeah. not really I don't personally like to wear sneakers with yeah, the suit. Yeah, you said, yeah. But, you know, I wear these kind of sneakers maybe on the weekend or right. casual and okay. they're really very comfortable. Yeah. Is this, um, was this related to the limited edition collection that they had? Yeah, so that was in store, right. um, which was the, the really nice white sneaker with the orange mm. heels portion, which I, yeah. I think there's 999 of them, That's is that right? right? Yeah. I think That's you did a story right. on that on the website. So, yeah, that is in store. You can go and see them. They're pretty special. Can you still buy them? Yeah, they're on the shelf. Yeah, I, oh. I, I picked them up today. I felt them. <laughs> I smelt them. They smelt like good new sneakers. <laughs> so, Nathan, you've been finding out about the luxury drinks brand Remy Martin this week. I have, yes. I went to a special event, uh, an evening, a tasting menu at a club, a Capital Club in DIFC. But the most interesting part about being there was that they were talking about their their hundred year plan uh, for pretty much everything that they do now um, they've got a they've got a hundred year plan uh, which is based around sustainability of the planet basically mm. um, and the, the the most interesting part that came out of this was that Pharrell Williams of happy fame mm-hmm. and, and big hat fame he <laughs> he has recorded a record with uh, Remy Martin which has been buried in a box and it will not be brought out again from from its holding until a hundred years have passed. Really? Yes. So time capsule. A time capsule record. It. In 2017, I Pharrell Williams created a song that will publicly be released in 100 years, but only if we care about the planet. It's an artistic project that will disappear forever if global warming continues. So the hook with this is that basically it's all about protecting the planet. So the the message that Remy Martin is sending out that out there is that we all need to protect the planet more. We all need mm. to do our bit. We all need to save the environment. Now the thing is with the with the record is that if we don't do that, the record is buried in a place where the sea level is continuously rising. Yeah. In a hundred years, that record will be destroyed right. with, with the water rising so we may never ever hear that record so if we want to hear the record we have to look after the planet pretty much yeah wow, okay so yeah make sure that we're tidying away our plastics recycling Good. otherwise we'll never hear pharrell's Missed. new record i mean we're never going to hear it anyway well yeah that's a good yeah. point actually but i found it interesting that a lot of their a lot of their business model is set around like just keeping things going for hundreds and hundreds of years like the way that they brew things the way that they adapt to change as well mm. and they've they've also got a very special thing they've made a, a film with uh, John Malkovich mm. um, I don't know if it's a short film or if it's like a, a full feature but anyway they've they're going to show that again in a hundred years right okay and they are giving out invitations or invitations will arrive to people connected with uh, Remy Martin or John Malkovich inviting them generations down the line inviting them to a special screening of this movie in a hundred years time so maybe the, the invite will be sent to somebody whose whose son or daughter will eventually or maybe grandson I guess yeah. it's a hundred years yeah 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 we'll go to that. that's amazing yeah good. Can, do we know how the Pharrell song is is stored is it on a USB stick or a so that's interesting so that's interesting that was one of the questions that I asked um it's on it's on a record but I think they've got a backup within the box 
right. that will be like a digital recording of it as well. Right. I mean, the the thing with record players is we're still going on those now, and it's like you know from when the gramophone was made <laughs> hundreds of years ago, we're we're still using vinyl now. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's probably the safest option. In a hundred years, there will be hipsters with record players still. Yeah, but otherwise we'll be left with a record and nothing to play it on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So there we go. Thank you very much for listening to the Edgar podcast. Pick up a copy of the March issue in bookstores right now. If you are enjoying the podcast, do remember to subscribe via iTunes or Spotify or SoundCloud and leave a review as well. And uh, don't forget to check edgardaily.com every day.